What's up, everyone? Gary here, and a special edition of Hop Talk here at LA Beer Week, the independent beer festival. I'm here with my good friend, Tom Carroll, veteran beer writer in the LA area. This guy is a wealth of knowledge, and we really want to talk about and tap into the history of LA beer and what this community is all about. Tom, thanks so much for joining me on this. Gary, thanks for having me. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a kind of overcast Long Beach. But um, I've been to all the uh, LA uh, Beer Weeks, uh, except for the first one. I was on um, a European trip, but I did help to organize some of it. But it's never been this cool, never been this cold, I guess, in honor of the uh, cold IPA. That, there you go, there you go. Uh, if anybody that knows me or has read my stuff, I'm not a fan of that name, but let's move on. <laughs> I'll dig into that in just a little bit. But uh, sure. yeah, so we're, we're sitting here, um, LA Beer Week, took that pandemic induced hiatus um but apparently they're using the hashtag labw14 so this goes back about 14-ish years um i want to rewind a little bit you know we kind of came into this scene uh, more so in like 2013-14 era but i know you definitely have been involved way before that so bring me back to those early days of like the, the second la beer week what was the, what were things like back then well, I can go back before that. Please do. Yeah, let's let's go. So we can go all let's the way rewind. back. Let's rewind. Yeah, we can go back uh, way back. Essentially, uh, 1988 is when um, the brew pubs started to happen because 1982 was uh, the legalization of um, brew pubs in the uh, in the U in the U S. Well, the states had to approve it. California and Washington first approved it in '82. You know, L.A. kind of being sadly behind the times, didn't really get one going in, in the city until 88. And we got three of them. We had a, we had Gorky's, the t-shirt I'm wearing. Um, it was a Russian uh, market and a beer bar downtown on uh, on St. Julian and 8th Street. Wow. And um, it was, they didn't put their brewery in until 88 though. And then two years later, they opened a, um, another one in Hollywood a little small group up and that's what this t-shirt's from it doesn't go back, back to, I mean it goes back that far but I haven't owned it it's from eBay from several years ago oh good but, find um, good and find and I, and wow I managed to fit into it yeah that's a good find beer waistline so um, <laughs> also we had um, City of Angels in Santa Monica on 4th Street um, uh, which was the space that the Border Grill took over for years oh, okay um, so that actually was Santa Monica's first brewery, despite what our, my good friends at Santa Monica Brew Works say. Right. They are the only brewery, but they weren't the first. Right. And in Pasadena, the Crown City Brewery, um, which was a brew, pub, a brew pub sports bar, um, it's where Congregation Ale House is now. Interesting. Um, they all um, kind of went under as brew pubs in 90, 92, 93, I think. Um, the original Gorky's lasted too. But, um, and then Crown City became a sports bar for another 15 years or so. But um, from that, we had two, uh, two people, uh, Dennis Hartman and, and Jay Baum, who were uh, co-owners co of Crown City. Uh, Den Dennis was one of the owners, Jay was one of the brewers. Mm. And uh, they were two of the organizers behind the original LA Craft Beer Week wow. in 2009, um, along with um, Ryan Sweeney and Brandon Bradford, who had 
initiated the um, craft beer bar movement in LA with Verdugo Bar and then expanding to Surly Goat and on and on and on. Yeah. Um, so they helped put it on. I was one of the junior organizers, did some publicity, press releases and stuff. And then I, w I was out of town on a big beer trip for the whole thing. Oh. It was at Descanso Gardens and they had a closing festival, not an opening festival. Oh, interesting. So, oh. And that lasted for a couple of years. But um, the next year, and then, oh, the other thing is we also had, um, that was in October 2009 and we did not have a brewery. We did not have a modern craft brewery. We had Craftsman, we had the original Angel City and we had um, Skyscraper, a short-lived brewery that did mostly lagers in um, El Monte. Ah. And um, Angel City, of course, is still with us uh, under new ownership and it's it's downtown. Crestman is still with us. and um, But we had uh, Eagle Rock, uh, Jeremy and Ting got their, uh, got their um, building and they got the you know, finally got approved, they got their CUP approved, but they didn't have a beer, they couldn't brew legally until November. Wow. A month after LA Beer Week. They missed it by that much. That was 2009? Yeah. Oh, wow. So there was no Unity beer or any other kind of beer. The next year, um, they, um, the LA Beer Week was put together by the same people because there was no Brewers Guild. And, uh, we, you know, we all helped a little bit. I got to do a couple of panels, and one was uh, called um, "So You Want to Open a Brewery," and we did it at in LA, and we and we did it at, at Eagle Rock, and it turned out to be this big um, sellout. People couldn't fit in the tap room, and they couldn't even park. If you know, if you know wow. Eagle Rock, you know it's not an easy place to right, park. Right, right. So, um, and wow, we might be onto something. And two people that were in that audience and came up to talk to me afterwards were uh, Rob Proxel. Um, who said, I'm going to start a brewery called El Segundo, and Henry from Monkish. Wow. He was there too. And who knew? And, and so things kept growing. And over the years, I've done panels, one's on, on the growler laws, one on beer judging, one on um, beer journalism. And uh, by 2013, the uh, Brewers Guild started. Um, Jeremy was made president. We I can't remember exactly how many brewers. We probably had less than 10 breweries. Um, and uh, then the, in 2014, the organizers handed it over to the guild. Well, they, I think they, they started um, raising, it was uh, obviously funding uh, for charity, but they started funding the guild and then they handed it over to the guild. So yeah. in 2014 was the first time the guild had done it. So, but for the second beer week, um, Jeremy decided that we're gonna do a, a beer for the, the, um, for the festival and it was called um, they did a California Common, of all things, I oh, guess, wow. because we're California. Love it. And it was called L.A.'s Team Beer, so that when you said it, it sounded like L.A. Steam Beer. Okay. Because, you know, Creative. you can't say steam oh. because uh, without playing a trademark uh, royalty to Anchor. Of course. They were able of course. To yeah. Do that. They were able to trademark that because <laughs> like no one made steam <laughs> beers in the 80s when Fritz Maytag sought that right. because somebody tried to steal that name years ago in San Francisco, steam beer as, as a, as a uh, style. So things have grown and grown and then we've had these amazing festivals and um, you know they were going stronger and bigger and better and then boom, COVID. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that you have been digging into and unpacking a little bit, uh, both from what I've seen in articles on beer paper, but also you have an upcoming panel um, for during LA Beer Week, that's specifically diving into. I, I was looking at the brewery list, 
you got some great people on there that have like interesting perspectives on that particular topic. Um, what is it about the topic that you feel like is so compelling right now? Well, um, I don't know. I was just interested, you know, like when I started writing for Beer Paper, I thought, well, everybody else is writing about all this new stuff. And um, we got a lot of young bloggers and writers, and they're writing about all these breweries opening up. And I had done that for the Celebrator Beer News for quite a while. Right. Um, and it was like, well, why don't we look backwards? So I started looking into beer history, my, my history of beer in L.A., and, and then even further back, which is research I'm still doing on a potential book. Mm. And uh, I um, decided that, you know, let's do something different. So I said, well, I finally got uh, okay to do a panel. And I thought, well, everybody's happy. We're back. We're drinking. You know, we got beer openings and collabs and stuff. But let's, you know, we just escaped. We dodged a bullet in a way. You right. know, well, most of us did. Um, most of the movies did. Right. So of I course. thought, let's take a look at that because everybody has a different story. Yeah. You know, we were all out supporting our favorite local breweries and whoever we could go to and support while we were. Uh, you know, while we were in lockdown, and um, many people from my homebrew club, Pacific Gravity in Culver City, moved on to um, open breweries like LA Works and Smog City and Tortugo, to name three. So we were supporting them a lot, and um, and realized some of us made it through, some of us didn't. Let's let's take a look at that, and everybody has a different story. So we have um, we have breweries that um, you know managed to survive okay, mainly because they were brew pubs. Two of them, uh, Lawless, which is where we're having the the panel on uh, Monday night at um, 7 p.m., and Paperback, they had the unluckiness of opening during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. They were too far along to pause it. You have to open. You're paying rent. You're, everything's happening, and then boom, nobody can go in. Yeah. <laughs> so they have a story. Then we have stories of... Um, you know, people that managed uh, McLeod's had a really difficult period sort of post-COVID. Right. Because other things piled on top of the, the COVID situation. And then we had some we lost. And we have, uh, you, you can find out um, online or on Instagram uh, who the guest brewer is going to be from the no longer LA brewery. But we want to hear those perspectives and how what they've learned from it and how they can move forward. So I thought it's time to be a little serious. Let's do it on Monday night where there's not really a lot of other partying going on. Right. And just get some more information. And at the very least, it'll be a great story. Yeah, you know what I appreciate about you is like, you know, we're, and when you talk about, it's really the beer drinkers and then people like us that are like, what's the shiny new object? What's the next new thing? We got to keep up. But like, I appreciate the fact that you're kind in a way you're kind of like hold up guys like before we lose track of like what just recently happened like let's document a little bit let's talk about this a little bit more and because you really can't see where you're going unless you really know where we've been right so that like concept i think is really interesting and i think super valuable for everything going on so yeah i mean i think just uh just looking back, I think, is really interesting about knowing how to look forward. And uh, I appreciate that that's what you bring to the table. Um, as we're kind of coming into 2023, I mean, beer festivals are back, apparently. Like, LA beer is alive and well. What are you personally excited about when it comes to the LA beer community today and what you're seeing in terms of the movement going forward? Well, I think, you know, we're, we're picking ourselves up and we're moving forward, obviously. And, and we're, we're pioneering into these into these different areas yeah. and 
you know, for better or for worse, um, American beer is influencing beer around the world, um, where everyone uh, everyone's favorite beer is the IPA, yeah. because that's what they call it, and they don't... I didn't know that, really. Yeah, wow. if you're not from an English-speaking German, maybe, no, but and other people just call them IPAs, yeah. Italians, they call them IPAs. Ah. Um, you know, most of the beer people know what it is. Right. That's how they pronounce it. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I think there's a responsibility on us to sort of get it right and do it right. And, um, you know, at the same time, we have so many breweries in the U.S. and even in L.A., which we we didn't have in the early days. Yeah. Um, so there, whether you, people get along well or not, there is competition, mm -hmm. you know, and how many breweries uh, guys that were in my um, uh, brewers that were in my uh, UCLA craft craft beer class said you'll never catch us making a hazy. I, I won't name them, but um, sure enough, in a couple months they made hazies. Yeah, everybody and people say that about seltzers, and they're making seltzers. Yeah, and can you know cannot condemn them for that. That's fine. You got to do what you got to do for business, but sort of moving beer forward is more interesting, and the and the you know. Most people my age, like myself, not a big fan of hazies initially. They have gotten better, yeah. but what they've introduced to brewing and the, the, the kinds of hops and flavored hops and the tropical flavors in hops that are coming back into other beers, not only uh, clean IPAs, um, which is necessarily a West Coast IPA, but I don't want to get off on that right oh, yeah. um, that's there, another That's another podcast. But there yeah. is the... Um, you know stouts and things like that so now we're getting tropical fruit from hops and that's amazing and I, that wasn't really happening to the extent um before then until the hazy revolution yeah so you know you can learn from everything and whether you like that style or not and hazy lasted a lot longer than i thought it would yeah and um who knows how long it'll last some beer beers last for centuries some go out in in 20 years and then maybe they get maybe they get brought back you know, we're digging up all these old old styles. Like Goza pretty much died until the Iron Curtain fell. Yeah. And then there were still res recipes in East Germany for the Goza. And then it came back. And we never heard of it. Yeah. We people thought, we used to say, what? You mean Goose? It's pronounced Goose. You know, it's, no, no, no. Goza. It's something different. <laughs> it's like, I remember having that conversation with people. And it was like, really? I had never heard of a, a Goza. Right. And then now we, now we know, and they're a great base for fruited beers, and like Berliner Weisses have been. Yeah, and, and I, I'm surprised at how many I'm seeing, whether they're as traditional or true to style as we think they should be or whatever, but like fruit, beer, low ABV, um, the salinity aspect that balances things out. Like, I've seen a few here on, on tap that like, probably a little bit more than I've seen in previous years of this festival. So very cool to see. And as we talk about kind of the style trends, the the style de jour, if you will. Um, we, you know, we talked about hazy. I want to kind of harken back to you early comment about cold IPA. Um, yeah, yeah. I, your face says it all. But like, what what do you what are your feelings about cold IPA? If you can make them succinct and like, um, what where does that evolve? Does it drop off a shelf like something like Session IPA, or is there something there that it's going to find its voice in this whole style universe well we will see um it's um you know if you don't know it is a uh it's basically it's a um essentially an ipa um 
fermented with lager yeast, warmer, warmer like yeah. a steam beer was, right. or a California Common to be trademark uh, safe. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, but Kevin Davy of Wayfinder in um, Portland, um, who does his beer is amazing. I love that. Yeah. Um, but he insists, or initially insists, that that it be an adjunct beer. Yeah, you know, twenty to forty percent rice or corn, usually right. rice, to lighten the body. And yes, it does bring out the hops. It's really, really amazing. But it's an IPL. Yeah, we had an IPL moment several years ago, if you guys remember, and I thought they were quite good. Yeah. And his distinction was, well, IPLs are um, that's like just a regular malt bill for an IPA, but you're putting True. in the hops that you're getting. I mean, you're. Um, you know, you're using a lager yeast, but you're you're getting all these esters and stuff. Yes, 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 I know that. But um, but now it's so now it's technically a, a it's technically a steam beer uh -huh. with New a World Hop. dry hop, yeah. And um, and when they're made well, they're really made well. Yeah. But they're called they're kept cold IPA or named IPA because they'll sell better. And the problem is for me. It's A means L. I know. Yeah. I has nothing to do with it anymore. B yeah. has nothing to do with it. Right. But now you have the A, and it's like that. That just. I mean, where's yeah. beer education? We're fully, fully removed. And, yeah. And well, people, people won't buy it. They say people don't care. Well, if they don't care, then why don't you tell them the truth? Yeah. You, got, you have a bridge to sell me next, and it's like, um, you know, it's so. I don't mind that it's a lager. Well, some people may. Well, okay. I know, and I know that hurts your. That may hurt your bottom line selling right, it, but right. how about a little education? You know, and a lot, of, a lot of brewers and other people just disagree with me a lot on. They said it's about the temperature; it's not about the yeast. And I go, really? So then, why isn't a Kolsch? How come we start? Don't start calling a Kolsch a lager, right? Because as you know, a Kolsch is a is an ale fermented very, very low, close to lager temperature, and it's lagered, meaning stored cold. Right. And that's how you get that smooth, clear taste. It tastes like a lager. Technically, it's an L. So we're all okay with that. Yeah. But now, suddenly, we're not okay um, because, I don't know, because we need to sell? It's, I don't know. It's, you know, the, the beer's out of the tap. It's like, I'm, you know, I can't get on a, a soapbox uh, about it because it's, it's gone and it doesn't matter. People either like it or don't. It should be about the beer, yeah. but when you start calling a cat a dog, um, I, I just have an issue with that. It doesn't mean I'm not going to drink it or buy it. I just, you know. Yeah, I think what you're stressing is uh, kind of circles back to the mission that we have and that you obviously have, have carried for many years, which is there's an educational component to this entire thing. This isn't drinking liquid for the sake of drinking liquid. There is a, an element of uh, understanding history. There is an element of understanding uh, standards and guidelines. And there is an, uh, a responsibility that brewers should ideally have to a base level of education around the product that they serve, um, whether it's good or bad or whatever, like, I think that's what you're talking about. So I'm all about it. It's what we're all about. So, right. And yeah. you know, one thing I thought, like, why not when you put cold IPA on the can label, put a little asterisk next to it, and then put the, the uh, answer asterisk by the government warning that said brew with lager yeast. And yeah. it's like, well, people are going to read it. No, but if they want to, they could. Yeah. I was an English major. I always read what asterisks are. That's where <laughs> footnotes are. And it's like, oh, okay, it's brewed with lager yeast. Does it make a sense? Does it matter to me or not? It doesn't matter right, whether right. it does or not. This is just truth. Yeah. You know, it's just like 
Yeah. You know, what, is it a GMO product or not? You want to know if it's a GMO product. Doesn't mean you shouldn't drink it or shouldn't yeah. buy it. I, I, I guess I understand everybody's point here, and the I guess the an, the true answer is we all have to try from a, a media perspective. Like, how do we help educate from a brewery taproom perspective? How do you train your staff to understand the nuances and communicate them in ways that people are accept they're they're accessible to people, right? Because what we're talking about with with asterisk and small print is we we lose accessibility uh, at that level and right. some people will read it and some people won't so it is a multi-pronged solution but i appreciate your nuanced take on it and uh, i really appreciate the perspective you bring to the experience of la beer week to this conversation tom thank you so much for joining me this is Thanks, super fun Garrett. yeah really cheers. Good. cheers take care kids